Hi there, I'm Logan Clements, one of your co-hosts of the Better Events Podcast. And in this episode, I am so excited, as we always say every single week, but especially excited this week because we are interviewing someone who is near and dear to my heart and someone who I've worked a number of events with, and that is my brother, Luke Clements. He is a virtual event technician and streaming engineer, and we have worked on so many events together that I figured it was time to bring him in, sit down with him and Mary, and just talk about what he does and the value that he brings to event teams, both virtual events as well as hybrid. And if you're an event planner or maybe even just a you're thinking about hosting an event and unsure about how you can take that next step to elevate your virtual live stream component, this episode's for you. He's breaking down exactly what his role is, what's possible, and also shares some common mistakes that clients make when it comes to live streaming or virtual events. Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. We are so excited to be with you this week and we are joined by an awesome guest who we're going to introduce before we do. So our topic for today is what is a virtual event technician slash streaming engineer? And so if you are already confused by that title, please stick around. This is absolutely for you. It's going to be an episode full of lots of learnings. So I have the pleasure of introducing our guest. And once again, don't forget though, we do have our co-host here with us, Logan Clements. And so Logan, why don't you just say hello really quick? How's it going? Hi everyone. I Mary, I get so I'm very self-conscious about our how's it going after our episode about asking better questions. But how's it going? It's going. We could, we could get deep right off the start if you want. Okay. Sure. We totally could. I we usually do icebreakers, but I do want to save as much time for our guest, Luke Clements. My uh, fun fact, who's my brother and a streaming engineer, and we're excited to have him on the pod. Mary, do you want to introduce him? Yeah, absolutely. So Luke is a freelance virtual event producer video editor, and streaming engineer who is passionate about helping organizations create and stream entertaining virtual events. Luke produces video content and runs the virtual event live stream for organizations like the Washington State Small Business Fair, which Logan and I have the pleasure of also being involved in, um, the Brooklyn Synagogue, and USAID. USAID. You got it. Okay. And (laughs) hold on. Okay, I can redo that. Can I redo that for the podcast? <laughs> Dang it! I thought it was. And, I saw, thought that was good. Let's leave it in. Oh yeah. my gosh! Luke, is there anything else you want to add to that lovely bio? Um. Yeah. Uh. Uh. No. No. I mean, I can list. I can list clients. You know, all day long. But yeah, we got. Uh, I, I've been uh, streaming, engineering, and being a virtual event tech for. Uh, guess it's now like two two three years um i did kind of uh uh kind of like the in-person technician side of things uh, a bit before the pandemic and then you know when everybody else pivoted i pivoted as well and began doing it in 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 the virtual space as yeah i feel like luke i get i get the pleasure of because we're related uh, i know you do other things outside of virtual events as well what else do you do outside of events 
Sure. Outside of events, I am also a uh, comedian and performer, um, and I will uh, do that in my my free time. I'll, I also do some in-person work at uh, theaters located in New York City, the, the only city in the world. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's, that's what I do between working different events and uh, projects that way and you know, performing and doing comedy stuff on the side. That's pretty much my whole life. Yeah. Well, I think that's just, I wanted you to say that because I feel like that adds a layer to your job because you're coming from this theater performance background that really helps in your role as being the streaming engineer, because you, I feel like bring a different skill set to the table than folks that might've just been in events the entire time. But one of the reasons why we asked you, one, you are my brother, uh, which I, I love. And I love that we've gotten to work together in the last couple years because you've gotten into virtual events. And I think you come to it from such a different, I'd been doing events for a number of years. So you're, you're fresher into the business, but again, I feel like your perspective so fresh and the skills that you've transitioned from what you've been using for live streaming, like video games into this now, you've done corporate events, nonprofits, kind of everything under the sun, I think is such mm -hmm. an interesting story. Um, but I feel like let's start at the beginning with how would you describe Luke? What does a virtual event technician, streaming engineer, what do you actually do? Yeah. So, um, uh, uh, in terms of a streaming engineer in, in any virtual event, if you're hoping to live stream, whatever you're doing, so you want it to go out on, YouTube or Vimeo or Facebook Live or what have you, um, uh, uh, you need somebody who is going to be sending that feed off into the internet before it can, you know, turn into something people can watch. Um, so uh, uh, as a streaming engineer, I typically use open broadcaster software, OBS, um, which allows me to kind of compile what different feeds I might have if I'm grabbing a feed from maybe a Zoom uh, call or, or or the like where I'm catch, capturing uh, a speaker. And I can add that in on top of any graphics that might need to be overlaid on what they're saying or uh, uh, pre-recorded videos that may need to roll. All of those different scenes and looks and everything can be stored in OBS. And then through OBS sent out uh, uh, to the feeds that they're going to, whatever whatever you end up streaming with can be can be sent out there. So the streaming engineer's job is uh, usually closely tied to you know whoever the show caller is of you know you're stepping through a run of show, making sure everything that you want the people to see at the at the back at the front end rather um, is is all coming together in the back end. Uh, uh, and and appearing at the right times. Uh, the only distinction between that and a, a virtual event technician is uh, typically I'll I'll use that title when I'm when nothing's being streamed. Uh, sometimes I I will do events that that don't go out anywhere. Maybe they're just uh, a highly produced Zoom meeting or the like. So everything lives within Zoom. It's not actually streaming anywhere, but I'm still helping do perhaps some of the things that other backstage managers might do, uh, uh, like spotlighting people. Um, I can, uh, again, through OBS, I can uh, push different video feeds into Zoom through OBS and that sort of thing. And yeah, that's kind of what, I, kind of what I'm doing. You know, I'm just juggling different videos and pictures and sending them which in what place. Sounds so simple and concise. 
but it's, it's easy. It's it's easy. No, to have <laughs> to have someone like Luke on the team for events is like crazy awesome. I think it just creates like a whole other level of a virtual event. And we were talking in a previous episode about um or excuse me, we we will talk in upcoming episodes about Zoom tips and tricks and all those wonderful things about Zoom events. And so this to me goes hand in hand with that because to utilize someone who's in a role like you've been explaining really amplifies the experience and the type of event that you can create in Zoom, for example. So lots, lots we can unpack, lots of places that you can use it in. But you spoke about OBS. So can you just touch a little bit more on how you started with this in general and then how you started or when you first started working with OBS? Yeah, um, I first started working with OBS um, uh, on kind of a like a personal project side in which I was streaming to Twitch, like the kind of uh, video game streamer uh, uh, thing you may you may have seen before. Um, and so I learned it just kind of on my own time. Um, and I do think it is pretty accessible to anyone who is, you know, hoping to to learn it. It's open source, so it's free. Um, and uh, as a process of getting ready to stream myself, I kind of ended up then having kind of the full uh, repertoire of, of OBS that happens to coincide exactly with what virtual event stuff needs. Um, and so my my first actual like gig in virtual events was uh, a, a referral from someone who just knew that I was streaming. And so I knew things about how streaming works and referred me to a, a synagogue they knew that was trying to make their, um, uh, their services virtual. Uh, and so one one thing led to another. Um, uh, in terms of uh, learning OBS in like actual uh, like minutia detail, um, I, I first started by just clicking open the program and screwing around. Uh, you can kind of just like click around, and uh, I think a lot of the interface is fairly straightforward. Um, but there's also a ton of tutorials and uh, video guides on YouTube and elsewhere. Um, which I also found very helpful. Yeah, I think this is always so funny um, where how you got started because I remember being in a call with an agency back like right after COVID had hit. It was in the summer of 2020 and having somebody tell me, oh yeah, for anyone who knows this program OBS, they're never going to have a trouble getting a job ever. Like this is, we need we need people who know how to do this to who have that virtual skill because everyone's going virtual or live streaming or even just being able to have like, just everything up that level. And I remember going, oh, write it down. I'll Google OBS and teach myself. And I think I downloaded the program and opened it up and then was like, yeah, this is really tough. So <laughs> I was like, Luke, I think you know this program, don't you? <laughs> and you were like already doing, I think, your synagogue work and everything. Um, yeah. And I know it has been something that you can definitely, it's accessible. Like you said, you could teach yourself. But as a event manager, producer, planner, I know I feel a lot more confident having somebody who has experience doing it versus yeah. teaching it, you know, to myself, um, at, because you can just have so much more, you know, you have more experience on it, but what are your, um, tips for an event host or a planner? Who's like thinking about live streaming their event? Yeah. Uh, I think the most important thing is you're kind of figuring out like, Oh, I want this event to be live streamed is you need to understand your, your scale and like your final aim. Like if I'm hoping to live stream this, where am I hoping to live stream this? Do I want this going on 
YouTube or Vimeo or Twitch or, or you know, just to a, a, a few exclusive private donors who need to see it on the back end or, or something like that, uh, because that will that will affect a lot of um, what your tech flow is going to look like. And I think that's probably the the main thing you need to be focusing on as you're coming up with your live streaming plan is where are the feeds coming from? Who are they going to? Where are they ending up? at the at the very end um so uh you're going to need cameras on site if you have an in-person component if not you need to make sure everyone who you want appearing has a camera and has a functional one you need a way for all those things to be captured um frequently uh, a lot of events i've i've been doing lately have been doing that as just like a zoom call um as a as a way to get all the feeds to the streaming engineer um, and then uh, you'll likely need a streaming engineer who is going to be able to kind of compile a bunch of different things, package them all up in a program like OBS, and then send it off to the place that you want your live stream to go. Um, but yes, I think scale is is a big, big part of that. You can live stream without a streaming engineer in certain cases, like if you do not need a very produced look at the end. Um, Perhaps you you know you don't have the budget for it, or you don't have the manpower uh, in order to say stream a, a Zoom call. If you want, you can just go live uh, within the Zoom client itself. You won't need a second application of any sort. Downside of that, you have a lot less control over what it's going to look like at the end. It's going to have that Zoom watermark on it in the corner, that kind of thing. So you you can have kind of less produced and less uh, involved productions that are also live streamed. Um, but figuring out what that kind of scale is and what your budget is and all that kind of thing, I think is probably your your most important first steps. And I, I think just to, for our listeners too, what I always describe your role sometimes in projects is, is like you're a switcher, you know, like the video mm -hmm. switcher that you're taking in all these inputs and then you're controlling what we can see. And like in an example would be if a speaker you know, all of a sudden their internet crashed or they're on mute and we can't get their attention. You have the ability to throw a slide up and play some background music while we get that person reset versus like you're saying for that more control versus if you're just streaming without that extra layer of a streaming engineer with your software, you know, we're at the mercy of getting that person unmuted and everyone seeing that person, you know, troubleshoot and try to figure it out. So that's another thing that I know I like with giving tips that I think adding, like it is more resources to have a streaming engineer on as your part of your team, but it also just gives you an extra layer of, you know, backup plans. We always, we have a whole episode, I feel like where we talked about contingency planning, but like it, it always makes me feel better than when we try to kind of DIY it without somebody. Yeah. That I, I think, yeah, if you're familiar with TV production at all, or uh, uh, a, a lot of kind of in-person events with, uh, with camera feeds would have a switcher, like in-person uh, uh, hop in between feeds. Uh, a streaming engineer could also be described as, yeah, like a, a one-person studio who is uh, taking all your your graphics, your videos, your feeds, and coming up with what the end goal will look like with those. Yeah, and I will say too, just like quick shout out to Luke, because this, I mean, you, you kind of mentioned if people want to do it simply themselves, there are ways that they can do it. But to use someone who's a streaming engineer or virtual event technician there really is a ton of value in it there there is because you can provide this 
I think it's a it's a better produced event. And then also, especially on the virtual event technician side of things, it's someone like yourself who's well versed with the tech. And it, that for me is just like a tremendous amount of peace of mind <laughs> because Logan yeah. and I have taught ourselves so much, but to be able to have somebody who actually really understands it and can speak to issues that might arise is just super valuable. So definitely it's a, there's two levels, I think, of an event that an event planner or host could put on and to have someone in a role like yours is kind of an amplified experience. So just wanted to touch on that. Yeah. As well. I definitely have also kind of like doubled as a technical director uh, mm -hmm. a lot of times in, in my work as a you know, as a technician, you'd think I, I would just be like pulling the levers and pushing the buttons. But in a lot of cases, if there isn't a technical director already staffed on an event, I'm likely probably also going to be consulting yeah. and like giving advice on like what the structure of the show should look like in order to best facilitate a live stream. I feel like too, Luke, in your roles that you've been in that you've probably learned a lot as far as like what you've seen happen in events. And so what are some common mistakes that you've seen people make at virtual events? I think with anything virtual, I mean, we've mentioned it several times, but contingency plans mm -hmm. um, are a big, big thing. Um, uh, uh, I think people not having, you know, the backups ready, um, especially when you've got, you know, one uh, perhaps not tech savvy speaker who's, who's coming on last minute and, you know, we haven't had the time to have a phone call with them or a, or a video call tech check with them ahead of time. So they're a big, you know, big question about whether they're going to be able to get on in time and that kind of stuff. And not having a, uh, uh, a contingency of like, what if that speaker cannot get on at all? Like, what if they're, they completely have vanished? Um, and that sort of thing. And, and knowing how you're going to be able to adjust plans or put up holding slides or interstitial, you know, videos or something to, to fill that gap. Um, and just being ready for any one piece to, to maybe fall away and still know, you know, what you're going to do. Um, I think the other, uh, uh, mistake that I have seen probably people make with virtual things is, uh, uh trying to, um, uh, uh, step into technologies and, uh, maybe like, softwares that they're not super comfortable with or they don't have a lot of experience with um i've been on events um i think one of them was with logan uh at least of uh, uh an online platform that is not performing the way that you know it maybe was quoted to you when whenever you uh you paid for it for your your big conference or summit or something like that and um in that case also having contingencies of like Maybe that website you had someone make for you isn't working completely right. Do we have a backup Vimeo link or YouTube link that we can stream to instead and send participants to in case something goes, uh, gets borked, you know, on that end? Ah, when the internet, when something breaks in the internet, I feel like, oh, it, uh, I mean, again, it's why I love what we do, but I think it's really valuable then having your brain on that where you're able to think through those contingency plans. Do you have any pet peeves when it comes to what people are doing in virtual? I think feel like I could name one, which is sure. getting last minute slides. I was going to anything. say last minute. Yeah, last minute anything. I think people with slides are the biggest, biggest offenders consistently. <laughs> that someone with a slideshow was up till 2am the night before the event and they're making rapid changes to it. 
and then they're trying to send me the new slides that they have uh, an hour before they're supposed to speak. I'm currently actively uh, queuing a show right now. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a pain for me to download your slides and in, ingest them into OBS, like all that sort of stuff last minute. Um, yes, I think other like and kind of wrapped in with like mistakes you can make for virtual things is to understand that there is a lead time uh, uh, for all those things, for all those pieces being ready. Uh, you're going to have to kind of work into your work back uh, more time for testing the tech setups, making sure you have all the assets and pre-record things, all those things before day of <laughs> or week of and, and all that sort of stuff. Mary, we could totally do an episode on workbacks. I think I think that's like, I mean, that's for me when I first started, I know it was so crucial, Luke, like you're saying everything relies on each other. So it's so one person's like, but it's just me and my slides. And it's like, no, but your slides were put into this program, which has to go this person. And then we have to test it. And you're like, so really you can't give it the day before, you know, you have to give it two weeks ahead of time so we can test these things. Yeah. Um, and just how important all of that is versus just throwing it together. Totally. Yeah. And I have a random question for you, Luke. I was just curious. So, mm -hmm. so the roles that you're typically doing for, for these scenarios is you're virtual. And so you're located in New York city, right? And so Logan and I are in Seattle, you can be in New York city when we're doing events and it's all great. We can still do events together. Mm -hmm. I was curious though. So Logan and I talk about this fairly often when an event is over and you have that, that like post event celebration it, it's a harder thing to be able to accomplish in a virtual event and because you're like extremely virtual and farther away i just want to know how do you celebrate when you finish an event yeah i am i am almost exclusively remote in this in this uh job so yes i do not have uh uh a chance to go out and grab beers with the rest rest of the event team uh after after something goes down uh, I think usually I just step away from my computer that, that like in most instances uh, 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 for a virtual event, I've probably been sitting in front of my computer with only brief breaks for you right. know, six hours or whatever. Um, so yeah, just, I will stand up and I will go to my kitchen and like probably <laughs> just take a eat, minute uh, yeah. at the cat, you know, all, all yeah. that stuff. Oh yeah. Mary, just, he's got a kitten. A yeah. Kitten. <laughs> wondering if the cat was going to make an appearance during the podcast honestly we'll cross her fingers you never know well, well, she's she's locked out of the recording studio do you have a um, a favorite event that you've worked so far luke i don't know i feel like all my favorite events are just the ones where nothing goes wrong <laughs> that's fair that's that's the dream for me is just uh, an event in which everybody showed up on time they got in all their assets and they make the whole thing low stress for me. Um, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine juggling a bunch of things that come up. And inevitably, there's always some minor fire or emergency in, in any event. Um, but uh, uh, yes, there's something very relieving about being able to uh, not have much to decompress from after an event ends. <laughs> I'll take it. And I think too, just for our listeners, I think it's really important, like your role, you're often, sometimes you're client facing. Sometimes you're not until kind of closer to the event days, which I know is is you kind of like you're more internal until we're in the event week. 
per se, but that is something I try to, when I'm working with, with you, Luke, or other people who do similar things to you, like I am always constantly working on how I can better advocate for you to avoid some of those pet peeves of last minute changes and managing client expectations of, Hey, if we get this within three days of the event, we're going to do our best, but I can't guarantee it's going to work because I have, I think in the early days of you and I working together, Luke, I'm pretty sure I did change the tech setup on you like the night before an event. Mm -hmm. um, or no, the event day we appeared and like there were less people yeah. in the room than I told you and you had to rebuild your whole show. And I felt awful about it. And I would not yep. like to have that feeling again uh, for you or for me. So um, thinking about that too, if you're listening to this as a planner, that this isn't, again, somebody, this is somebody that you want to kind of protect in those conversations, but is also like a really good resource. Like you're saying, Luke, as a tech director, you know, you kind of know what you need now, especially now that you've been doing it a couple of years and, and what information you need when, how long it takes for things to happen. Um, but my other advice too, if you're a producer is like ask questions. I love asking Luke, like, is this possible? You know, before I say yes mm -hmm. to a client and it's fun trying new things and figuring it out. So I always say that I don't know the OBS, like how to push, you know, push the right buttons to do the right thing at the right time. But I do know some of the limitations. And I only know that because I ask questions because I'm asking you, Luke, like, is this possible? And I do appreciate because you always come to the table of like, let me look at it. I'm going to figure it out. And sometimes it's like, okay, no, if it's not, if we don't know, <laughs> we don't do it. But um, do you have any advice for someone who is inspired by what you're talking about today and wants to learn how to do what you do? I think as I kind of mentioned uh, earlier, um, probably the best thing you can do is download OBS and figure out how it works. Um, uh, I think OBS is a great entry point. It is, as I said, free. Um, and additionally, since it's open source, there's a bunch of easy documentation online. There's a bunch of tutorials, all the kinds of things you would need to actually like get the know-how under your belt to feel like you can do an event. There are other programs you could learn. There are like, because OBS is open source, there are a couple like kind of spin-offs of it, like uh, 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 Streamlabs, OBS, OBS.live, um, you know, those kinds of things, which are, once you know OBS, those ones are pretty much straightforward. They're, they're just like reskins of OBS. It's all the same buttons, but they maybe look a little different. They've moved a bit, but it, it has all the same functionality. Um, additionally, there's like vMix if you want an even bigger step, but again, that's an upfront cost. Uh, you do have to pay for it and it's a lot more involved. I think OBS is a, is a good place to start. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just start trying to do events. Um, you know, the best, I think a, a great way to learn is by doing, um, obviously, you know, you can always try to start with something pretty simple. Uh, uh, but just having that, um, uh, ability to like kind of troubleshoot and figure out a solution for something you weren't anticipating and all that sort of stuff, I think is pretty crucial as, as a uh, streaming engineer, um, for knowing that someone's like, oh, I have these slides, but they're not normal there. I don't have them as a PDF or a slideshow. Uh, instead, they're a, a dynamic browser link. Uh, and you're like, okay, well, I guess I've never, never encountered this before. How will I figure out how this works? Um, and being able to kind of like Google and find the answer if someone else has already experienced this problem and, and all those sorts of things that just kind of like comes as you learn it. I don't know. I feel like it is akin to uh, programming uh, if you ever have done that before. Not not that you require any programming knowledge in order to be a streaming engineer, but that the method in which you learn seems very similar. You get the basics and then as things come up, 
that you need to know, you learn that new bit. So uh, you just yeah. you're constantly learning all the new little niches and tricks. There's definitely an entry point. Just dive in, figure it out, and then you'll figure the rest out as time goes on. Yeah, totally. And if someone like we're talking about the people who might be interested in learning more about this, I'm curious, what does your home office and like tech setup look like? Like what's required to do this role? And I, what I really want to know too is do you have multiple monitors? Yes, I have multiple monitors and I would say that is a hundred percent a necessity. Yes. I have done work as like a virtual tech on my laptop when absolutely necessary without an, an external monitor, it makes everything harder. Uh, yes, I currently have two monitors. Um, I know of other techs who have even more, who might have three or four um, for whatever needs they have. Um, but uh, yes, as, as someone who's working like a studio and like switching between feeds and such, it's very helpful to be able to have a separate screen in which like that's say maybe monitoring just what is going out to the uh, uh, the stream right now, or one that's just the Zoom call that I'm grabbing feeds from, um, because that will make your life a whole lot easier having everything kind of delineated in spaces that can be grabbed easily by OBS and all that sort of stuff. I am on a uh, PC. I'm a, I'm a hardcore PC user, I believe in them. Uh, Macs, I suppose, are good for some things, um, uh, but they're far less customizable and-, and uh, Fighting words with control. Logan. Oh no, he's been trying to get me to be a PC user for years. Oh, I, oh, oh have I. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, have I. He hasn't been able to get me off, the, off my Macs, but he's sending the praises. You also, Luke, you built your own computer, didn't you? I did indeed. I did build my own PC. Um, I would I would say, yes, in addition to having two monitors, um, having a rather beefy computer is also uh, an important step. If, if you've already got like a modern gaming rig or, or something like that, you probably have all the specs you need. Um, but uh, streaming in OBS, um, same with kind of like video editing work, which I also do, is is pretty intensive um, on your on your computer, so you're going to want some kind of modern CPU and GPU that can handle the you know uh, uh, compressing and compiling videos on the fly, and then also sending them somewhere, which can get pretty can get pretty tough. Um, if you don't know if your system can handle it, you can always just run some test streams. You can download OBS and try uh, putting some stuff together and streaming it and OBS has a lot of great like metrics in it of like, are you dropping frames? Is it stuttering? Have you, you know, have your, has your stream been lagging or something like that? And that can tell you if your, your computer's maybe not up to par. Um, and then finally you need internet, you need internet and uh, it needs to be hard lined. How Never far is that internet cable? I have a 50 foot ethernet cable that runs from my computer all the way across our apartment to the very far end where our router is. So I can be directly connected in. Um, but that is the only way you can get the reliability and speed that you really need. You gotta be hardline. Yeah. And we've, uh, again, we've learned there's contingency plans for on contingency plans for internet. So you live and yep. die by your internet speed. I feel like, um, with, with virtual and hybrid as we move forward. Um, well, Luke, is there anything else you want to add? Not that I'm thinking of. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a joy. 
Oh, you're not you're not done yet. I do oh, want to no. okay. quick, What's left? quick What's... quick sentence finishers with you. Yeah. Um, if I had more hours in the day, I would uh, sleep more. Fair. It's a very common answer. I I feel that. Yeah. <laughs> good answer. What about your favorite productivity tool is Google Calendar. Keep and... keep you on time and also it also helps a lot to block out if you've got things you need to do, like blocking out the time ahead of time. Oh, uh, you do time blocks. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard good things about that. Last one here. Something you're looking forward to this year, whether it's in business or personal is. I'm thinking of too many. I'm, I'm thinking of personal stuff. I'm thinking of video games that are coming out. That's fine. <laughs> That's all I ever think about is, is what's what's on the horizon. Looking what, forward any particular to the game? Overwatch 2 beta is coming out later this month. Very exciting. Nice. Awesome. Well, where can listeners find you, Luke? Uh, you can find me at it's Luke Clements uh, on practically everything. That's that's the best way to connect. Yeah, we'll link Hit to me your. Up if you need me, we'll link to your link tree and everything in our show notes. But yeah, give him a follow, especially if you're a Twitter user. Luke won't toot his own horn, but I think he's got some sure. pretty funny, <laughs> funny tweets in there. Um, if you need a laugh, and you can follow along with his uh, gaming on Twitch. So we'll put all those links in the chat. Thank you, Luke. I really appreciate having you here. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, appreciate being here. Thanks, Logan. Thanks, Mary. <laughs> Thanks so much. And I think that brings us to our bonus tip, Mary, which is coming from you this week. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So my bonus tip for today is encouraging you to find a professional organization within the event industry that fits your needs that you could join. Um, I myself and Logan have recently joined MPI, Meeting Professionals International, which has been something that has fit our needs, especially with our local chapter. We enjoy that so far. And so there are many out there. There are so many different associations and organizations. So they're a really great way to network and to find a business. So just hop around, if nothing else, attend some of their local meetings and see what works for you. But my bonus tip for the today is just to find a professional association organization that you can join. But thanks so much. That brings us to the end of our episode. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Better Events Pod. Send us an email at bettereventspod at gmail.com. And as always, we appreciate you for listening and we'll be back in your feeds again next Wednesday. Thank you. Thank you.